and now it's been recorded. Uh, 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 well, we're here. Someone start, fellas. This is the show. All right. Yeah. Hey, did you uh, did you guys having turkey for the long weekend? Oh, uh, yeah, I think we. I'm going to have. Uh, well, this only, this isn't the last show, is it? We're not, we're doing a show tomorrow, are we not? Mm-hmm. Well, I just I just found out today if you're thawing a turkey, it takes a day for every four pounds or something like that. Oh, not that yeah, it takes a few days. Yeah, absolutely. You better start doing it now. I'm going to thaw one, dude. I don't you know that story? If I I did that, I didn't know that. Many Thanksgivings ago, back in the matrimonial home days on uh, on some fancy street in Oakville, I didn't know that. I didn't know. I thought you could cook it that day, and I woke up the, that morning and in a panic had a frozen turkey that I was pre- to prepare that day. Yeah, well, that's not going to work. And it no, didn't. it um, did not work. <laughs> no, it takes for you. But uh, we tend to buy the Butterball uh, Cook from Frozen. You put them oh. in the oven frozen. Really? Dis- yeah. How does that work? And they become, I it, don't know. Science, man. Uh, uh, what is some sort of metal prods that get the heat inside? It's all, it's all based on science. <clears throat> right. I don't know, but they're, um, and they're pre-stuffed. Other than that, just go buy a fresh one a couple of days before. Yeah, we're having a Thanksgiving at ex-wife uh, Randy's place on Monday because Sunday... Spencer has uh, a show that they've promoted like it's their show at a comedy club. Mm-hmm. And so we're all going to that. Well, I'm okay. Oh, I don't. Nice. But, I, but, but what, when the show just began, <laughs> you heard saying that seniors shouldn't say the word horny. So you're, what, at what age should you stop either saying horny or being horny? I'm curious. What is your uh, paradigm? Uh, you know what? I, I just don't know. It's, uh, I don't disagree with you, by the way. <clears throat> no, no. And, and where this came from, you said during your French language lessons, Spanish that you taking or, or I'm sorry, Spanish. Um, you said you looked up the word horny. Yes. And you said it to Julieta. I and did. She laughed. She thought it was funny that I <laughs> knew me, it. And, and I said. It's just weird, the word horny coming out of the mouth of a senior, which you are, we are. Um, it just To me, it just doesn't fit. And then you said maybe come up with a different word for horny. But, you know, even, I don't know, horny has like a 70s connotation to me or something. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> you know, listen, I, I've said for a long time, that's where lady friend came from. Dan, I, I don't know if you know the from origin of that. No, for, absolutely. Believe me. Uh, no, from I just thought saying that I had a girlfriend in, and this was in my early 50s. I just thought that sounded ridiculous. So I started calling her lady friend as sort of a joke because I even now when I'm, people are asking me about Julieta, I feel weird saying, you know, it's my girlfriend. But what about you, Dan? You've got girlfriend, Lisa. Do you, what, do you call her your girlfriend? Yeah, I do. I'm more I'm more comfortable with calling her my girlfriend now. But I'd always every time I say it, I just it just seems like I don't know a better term really. Yeah, um, I don't think Partner. there's anything wrong with that. I, I I think not not, and I don't want to use the word disconnect. Although I just said it, I think when you said it, Howard, when it was obvious to the world that you were well into your middle aged or beyond, and this young woman calling you a girlfriend just was. I don't know. Maybe it came from that. Oh, some self-consciousness for sure. 
Yeah, and then pe- but people of similar age, I think girlfriend applies. Would why not? What I mean, it, it? no, it applies. It just seems to your again to your point about uh, this sounds cr- weird coming out of the mouth, the mouth of a senior. Like you know, there's. It, it, yeah. what, it doesn't matter if, if the person you're with is the same age, because now partner is what most people will call your girlfriend or boyfriend. But partner See, has I, a, an LGBTQ plus 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 uh, connotation. You know what? You're right, because whenever someone refers to their partner, I think, oh, are they gay? I wonder if they're gay. When you say partner and then quite often, no, then that person will walk into the you know the room or the frame or whatever and no there it's a heterosexual but they're using that term partner but you're right it, my mind immediately goes to lgbq yeah, but but circle <laughs> but let me just use this phrase circling back i love to circle, circle back let circle me circle back. back baby i love to circle, circle back. back to a circle trip because you're horny <laughs> okay what <laughs> circle <laughs> Circle back to a circle jerk because you're horny. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Speaking of 70s terms. <laughs> anyway, circling back. I don't, it, it doesn't, it's not about the age of the companion. It's about after a certain age. Like my brother is 71 years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And whenever I talked to him, I talked to him yesterday, smart guy, Dave. In there, out there in Calgary, going to see him in a few weeks. He's in in Mexico, but you know, talking about his girlfriend, the woman he lives with, just it seems weird that a seventy-one-year-old guy's got a girlfriend. I mean, Dan, oh, you're yeah. you're almost a hundred, and you have a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, it seems weird. By the way, girl. in Spanish, if you're curious, the word for horny, there's several of them, mm-hmm. but the one that I learned was. Quejando. I mean, come on. Que, no, I'm sorry. I screwed up. It's quechando. Quechando. Mi, it's miso quechando. <laughs> quechando. Quechando. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that <laughs> sounds better than horny. It does. Coming out of an old, out of an old guy. Yo soy muy what, quechando. What's What's your girlfriend in Spanish? Novia. Novia? Novia. And boyfriend no. is novio. Novia. Isn't that nice? Novia. Novia. See, see novia. Me, me novia sounds so much more, I don't know, I don't know, just appropriate than my girlfriend. She, I met her at school. <laughs> she, we're going around now. Did you guys call it that? Going around? Or oh, going, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, going around. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going around with her. Yeah. yeah. I'm going around. Dan, back and in that, the 1820s. That, and then that became, um, oh, yeah, Paul, he's dating uh, Cheryl. You know. Dan, back in the 1820s when you were on a wagon train, what did you guys call it? Courting. <laughs> that's, that's right. Dan came a calling. Dan came a calling. is here. That's right, like Tennessee Williams. Courting reminds me of the Waltons. Yeah. That's <laughs> There's a service I have here, and the Waltons is there, and every so often I'll watch an episode because I used to watch it with my mother, and that was a big word on the Waltons courting. Mary Ellen is being courted. Mm-hmm. Wow. Does it hold up, the Waltons? Oh, I couldn't tell you. I just watch it for to reminisce, that's all. Mm. 
Gives you that warm feeling, does it? Yeah, it does, actually. Because me and my mom, she'd make a pot of tea, and we'd watch, drink tea and watch the Waltons. Yeah. Yeah, memories, memories, memories. Okay, Same well. for Gilligan's Island. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Gilligan's Island will make you horny. All right, Dan, you want to start the show? I mean, because. No kidding. Dan's got to uh, go. It's not, Dan can't do the news. I think on days you can't do the news at the end of the program. We should stick it in uh, early, but uh, we'll talk about that. Here's Dan Duran, everybody. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from our state-of-the-art Humble and Fred Studios in Toronto, from our well-equipped Brampton facility with a pool, and from Lisa's Dining Room Table in Peterborough with a fresh tablecloth. And it is brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, EVNet.ca, Palma Pasta, and Stretch Lab Toronto. And now, here are two men who are speakers of their own houses and command respect of such a lofty position, of which Delise and Spencer just shake their head at. Ready to speak, it's Mr. Speakers, Humble and Fred. Thanks for gaveling us in, Dan. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Ralph Ben Mergy, Rabbi Ralph, will join us today, trying to make sense of the world. You know... It's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day and think, wow, everything is terrible. And this thing going on in the U.S. and all kinds of chaos. But in actual fact, in our daily lives, like yesterday, it was just another beautiful day here in Ontario, the center of Canada, most beautiful most beautiful day for... And I, I know we talk about the weather, but it really was, as I was leaving the, the golf course, obviously, at... Um, at uh, sometime in the afternoon, like four thirty, five, it was feels like thirty one degrees. Like, how do you not? How do you not just be grateful for that kind of weather? How do you not just how? I don't know how. I went out a couple of times yesterday, and it was so hot. I just, I just actually really wasn't in the mood for it. I stayed inside a lot yesterday. Weird, eh? Yeah, yeah I jumped I know, in the I lake know. yesterday because it was so warm. No, I, 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 I bet. But the uh, the day before, I was out on the golf course all day long and got hot and lots of sun and stuff. So I don't know. What can I say? That's the way I felt. So Howard, I didn't use it the way maybe I should have, or you guys did. I'll tell you, there was, and I'm, and I'm being quite serious. There were several several times yesterday afternoon. I stopped whilst waiting for the others in my group to play their golf shots, and just looked around because. It's sort of weird at this time of the year. I was in the Milton area where it's so warm, like it feels like July, but you look around and the scenery is so autumn, autumnal. Mm. And, I, and I'm, it's like I'm looking out the window here on the Queensway and yeah, the trees are just starting to turn. But I guess where you guys are up north there, Dan, they've been uh, turning for some time. But where I was yesterday, it was just kind of neat, the, the dichotomy of the heat plus the fact that everything looked you know, look like you're Octobering. Yeah. Monday, I was at Royal Ontario, which is Trafalgar and Derry area. And uh, that course, which is well-treed, it was beautiful. Like, it, it's not at the pinnacle, of course, but it, you know, and sometimes there was one hole we, we looked down, there was a bit of a dog leg left and, and just the sun, like there was clouds above us, but the sun was just hitting the hole in the green mm-hmm. in the distance. It was yeah, it's just gorgeous. magical. Can I ask you, again, I, you mock me if you want, but I don't know the answer. Is 
Do the do the leaves need the temperatures to drop to start to turn? Is that part of the functionality of the? Because uh, you know I, I don't have a high school education, but I'm just curious. It, pardon? It's both temperature and uh, and light. So as the days get shorter and the nights get cooler, it's a combination of that. Right. And I don't know what. But, but that's what I, I would imagine it would be temperature. But don't they? Because do, do they need to really? Because our temperatures are going to start to plummet a week from today. It'll be like 15 degrees colder than it is now. Is that when, because you said, Freddie, they haven't quite started to turn down here. Is it because of that? I mean, I know that has something to do with photosynthesis, Dan. I do remember that. Or the uh, chlorophyll uh, factor. But I'm just curious. So, so it must be the diminishing light as well yes. as the temperature is dropping. Okay. Well, okay. Here, okay. You know, it's funny. We have this conversation, and there's this thing called Google. Um as the season changes, temperatures drop and days get shorter. As Dan said, trees get less direct sunlight, and the chlorophyll, as Howard said, in the leaves breaks down. The lack of chlorophyll reveals yellow and orange pigments that were already in the leaves but masked during the winter months. Well, there you go. So I did retain some information from grade nine when I was last yeah. in school. You know what I what don't? I w- <clears throat> what I was going to say. What I don't. What I don't know is is there are some years that the color is more vibrant than other years, and I don't know what the the thing is for that. Like, why are the reds yeah. redder or something like that? Well, maybe, maybe it's something to do with your coral flows. Well, maybe, you know, if there's less sunny days in the fall or something, or more sunny days, or who knows? What so, I don't like around here, based on light. All, all those trees that overhang our parking lot behind the studio all start shedding acorns like weeks ago. Okay. And every time you drive in, you're just crushing acorns all the time. And the, we have a service here that comes once a month and does all the landscaping and cleans up and such. But it's uh, and it happens really early, like it happens late August, early September. Yeah. Yeah, I have a huge, huge, it's a kind of an oak tree beside my pool and it's got to be 70 feet tall now. No kidding. It's huge. And uh, what it does in the fall, the leaves turn brown, but they don't come off. They only come off when the new leaves are pushing the old ones out. Yeah. So pretty much 12 months a year, this thing is an issue. And there's twigs falling off it all the time and everything. And I've often thought, you know, it's a beautiful tree. I'd like to get rid of it. But I can't even imagine what it would cost to have it removed. The lease wouldn't allow it anyway. But it's really a pain in the ass around a pool. I bet. Because of all the stuff that drops off. Oh, Jesus. And before we move on from... I can't begin to tell you. (laughs) So horrible. Before we move on from nature, I was out there. I take Stan out there, as Dan knows. That's where in that back area where Stan does his business. And I pick it up because I'm a good neighbor. But I, uh, because there were so many acorns around the other day, and I was in one of those, you know, moods where you're wondering at the world, and I... And, there, and the, the, the pavement is, is littered with these acorns. And one of the trees back there is massive, just like you're talking about, Fred. Huge tree. And I thought, isn't it interesting? Interesting. Isn't it curious? <laughs> isn't it curious that that little acorn is what produces that giant tree? I know. I know. Stupid. But it is. it was fascinating to me. I think it just, that's how it started. This little dinky acorn is where this giant tree came from. Look at an apple seed. I know. know, It's it's crazy. You know, part of the day that I really enjoyed last night, 
again, because I sort of avoided the heat during the day, Yes, was um, as the Blue Jay game was winding down, I lit the barbecue and just sat at a table and had a beer. And, um, you know, the sort of sun was setting, but the air was still warm, like like July or something. It was just beautiful out there at that moment. So I wasn't getting the direct sunlight. It was probably still 26, 27. And I thought the same thing. My God, it's April 3rd. Was it April 3rd yesterday? Yes. Yeah, not April 3rd, I, October 3rd. Or I'm sorry, October. Jesus Christ. Shit. October <laughs> 3rd. Wait, let's review. You're, you think I'm taking French, and yesterday was April 3rd. April 3rd. October 3rd. Do we need... Can I get Delise on the... Delise! <laughs> October 3rd. <laughs> Fucking... You would... Hey, you would wish for that weather on April 3rd. Yeah, no kidding. You? Usually April yeah. sucks. Uh, anyway, anyway yeah, yeah great. Hey, speaking of, I mentioned signs, Dan and Fred, uh, this is a story from yesterday, but you gave it, you guys may have heard this, that the Nobel prize, where is it? You know, I've had it. Oh yeah. I went to, uh, to G. Oh, here we go. The science. Nobel prize for, uh, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the scientists that, uh, enabled the creation of the MRNA vaccines against COVID-19, Hungarian-American Caitlin Kiriko and American Drew Weissman were cited for contributing to the unprecedented rate of vaccine development during one of the greatest threats to human health. And uh, when I see these stories, I can't help but think of the dunderheads, you know, the anti-vaxxers, and how stupid they are, and uh, how they know more than these two scientists and, the, and, of course, it's a conspiracy. The people at Nobel, they, it's not real. No, I know. I have a dunderhead story on the vaccine this morning. Wouldn't you know it, just as you bring that up? Well, I don't know there's much more to say about the Nobel Prize, and I can, I'll let you segue in a second. I'll just say that, you know, uh-huh. when you read those stories about real human beings, not conspiracy, not some QAnon nut job, some conv- convoy people, these are actual human beings that were in a laboratory or wherever scientists hang out, you know, yeah. Maybe in the lunchroom, I don't know, and 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 worked on this thing that was significant, and you know, it prevented many people from dying. I don't know how you argue with that. Uh, either do I. I just I don't. Like it's exhausting, isn't it? Well, yeah, I'd love to have Theo Flur- Flurry on the show and say, "Well, oh, so you think all that's just made up?" Yeah. Theo Flurry almost wouldn't be any fun because he is really deranged. Like. Like, you know what I mean? There's different levels of stupid. I think he's deranged. And again, he has a horrible, you know, history and childhood and trauma in his life. It's yeah, just, yeah. It's, it's almost you just ignore him. It's assholes like Aaron Rodgers that bother, that bug the shit out of me. No, I know the story. Go ahead. What a fucking douche this guy is. Yeah. So Aaron Rodgers, you know, was the anti-vaxxer and wasn't going to get the vaccine and just had subtle ways of mocking it all the time like yep. you know again he knows howard he knows more than those nobel uh, prize winners sure of course, you know because he's aaron Rodgers, he can throw a fucking football it's the only thing he can do in life is throw a football sorry not even not, not, not anymore he can't not anymore <laughs> <laughs> but anyway travis kelsey you know this guy that's been dating uh, taylor swift yeah he has done a commercial for pfizer and it's not so much it's like an endorsement. Hey, free, remember to get your your flu shot, shot and your vaccines. Fall. Yep. Or Pfizer. 
So now Aaron Rodgers is calling him, sort of mocking him, calling him Mr. Pfizer. Yeah. He was on a couple of talk shows. And again, you know, here's this guy, Travis Kelsey, doing his part. Like, hey, I'm notable, especially right now. And now maybe if I can get the word out about, you know, thinking about the vaccine for the fall as COVID ramps up again to whatever level, I'm sort of doing my part. So that's countered by this asshole Aaron Rodgers, who's mocking him now by calling him Mr. Pfizer. And it just gets back to what you said. It's like, you know, he sits there, Aaron Rodgers, in this, like, delusional world that he knows more than the the people that actually... And to be clear, Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey was doing an endorsement. This is a paid endorsement. It wasn't a public service announcement. Oh, no, no, no. I know that. Yeah. But and, it, and it wasn't just for the, the COVID vaccine. It was for flu season as well. Mm-hmm. So whatever, you know, no, but, I'm just saying like it, it, it's, yeah, the, the COVID is, you know, the thing that uh, Aaron Rodgers is targeting. Yeah, I, I saw that story. I'm glad you brought it up because I'd forgotten it. And again, it ties in with the fact that these two people and a bunch of other people who are really, really smart. You know, that's mm-hmm. the thing maybe. And one of, the, one of the subjects we've talked about with Ralph from time to time, it might be interesting to bring it up with him again. The idea that why is it that we. Maybe when we were younger, but certainly our parents generation really valued or seemed to value intelligence remember we were talking to bill brio yesterday about this guy jack parr that used to host the tonight show and the tonight show over the years when it was handed off to carson in those 30 years that's when it really developed into more of a variety and and more um celebrity centric but even the early years of carson there were lots of long conversations with authors the 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 intelligentsia of the day but jack parr in particular it was a show nightly where you know, he was kind of like the Bill Maher of his day. But the conversations on those shows were with some of the smartest people in the world. And how devalued intelligence is now, back to Aaron Rodgers, Mr. Pfizer. He couldn't even fucking spell Pfizer, I bet, Aaron Rodgers. But you know what the answer is to your question. Too much information. There's just too many platforms allowing too many stupid people to be heard. That's the problem. So the intelligent people sort of get drowned out or, you know, diluted in the mix. That's the, you know, again, there was only so many vehicles before where somebody could actually be heard. So before they were heard, you know, they were, you know, scrutinized and people did their due diligence. And is this person worthy of this platform? None of that happens now. Like on, like on Fox and Newsmax and OAN, they'll just throw any whack job on there that is willing to say anything to um, further their cause or, 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 or enhance their, their narrative. That's the problem. Oh, I agree. You know, and uh, Jesus, yeah, you know, but and we also live in an age where, you know, we were talking about why the leaves turn colors. And I threw out chlorophyll because it's something I remembered. Mm-hmm. And we, I even threw photosynthesis. But it, there was a time when you had to know that. And in, in, the, in yes. an eyelash, you, you actually looked it up. Not that you don't have to be intelligent to Google it. No. Whereas when we were younger, there was an intelligence necessary because you would have to remember that. You know, that's a great point because, and I don't know, there might be different levels and different forms through this now, but ret- 
retention was huge yep. when we were kids. You had to retain knowledge. Now you, you don't. Like, are our brains not being exercised the same way they used to be? Or through, you know, technology, are they being exercised in a different way? I don't know the answer to that, but you're right. You know, those kids that we used to go to school with that could retain information, those, those are the ones that I guess went on to university and became something. It is it is uh, kind of curious that, to your point, Fred, originally, that our in our society, uh, we've been devaluing all of the uh, the intelligence has been going away for for whatever reason but what what whatever you get into an anti-vaxxer it always has associated with it some sort of conspiracy theory mm-hmm. there always has to be something that is against whatever the the science says that we're it's being covered up or we're being delivered the wrong information is being delivered that it that's where it always seems to go down there's no real you mm-hmm. know argument about the actual facts it doesn't seem to to hold well look at it this way 30 40 whatever how many years ago you know you didn't have the if you saw somebody that was intelligent and they said something and you disagreed with or didn't want to agree with i mean you sort of had to live with it now within seconds you can go and google something to support your argument in seconds whether and the problem is more often than not you know, it's false. It's not true. There was a time, and I, we, we, I, we, I'm sure we've had this conversation, but if we haven't, we should have, which is there was a time where you would be in a, a bar and you would have discussions with friends and you would have, uh, you would say, I think this, and they would think that, and you would have to go look it up at the fucking library, <laughs> you know? Exactly. But Google... And the ability to access information just as quickly as we did this morning about leaves, uh, that's ended all bar arguments. That's ended like, who was the mm-hmm. who was the castmate on the show? Well, here it is. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, when, when, when I'm in, not arguments, when I'm in discussions with people where you know you can just Google the answer, I think it actually makes the conversation less rich. Oh, I agree. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it sometimes Absolutely. when... Because all of a sudden, it's like... Because you'll be thinking, who was that guy in uh, Dog Day Afternoon, that movie? And they go, oh, here it is. Uh, just give me a second. <laughs> you know, let me try. Those conversations, those rich conversations, as you would describe them, have now turned into trivia games because you know the answer's in your hand. So people turn around and say, okay, what do you think it is? What do you think it is? You know, right. As you're about to read the answer that you've just logged. But again, you can Google anything like, you know, you could Google. I'm taking this off the top of my head. Donald Trump is the mo- is the nicest man in the world. You could Google that, and then you'll get all sorts of information of bullshit that he's done over the years that makes him a nice man. You know what I mean? It's like when you know he isn't. Like, this, these things will give you whatever you want. Sure. And that's a big problem. Yeah, I mean, you can Google opinion. You know, you can Google support for an opinion, I should say. Um, but back to the idea that people can say and, you know, okay, you know, there was a, you know, I, I've been starting this little thread, I call it, there was a time when, <laughs> there was a time when if you were running for president and said motherfucker, that would be the end of your presidency. There was a time when, you know, there was a sort of societal, uh, lack of a better word, decorum. Things these people didn't say out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's all been taken off the table because mm-hmm. when you when you can like I don't even know like yesterday I, I played that clip of uh, of 
Trump talking about Nancy Pelosi's husband, there was, a, and I said he's a boor. But the people that follow him, and we've made this point, they become boorish as well because there's a, they think, well, if the president acts like that, I certainly can. Um, yeah. Like, look at, you know, yesterday Trump goes after the clerk of the judge in this New York, you know, yeah. a young woman claiming that he's uh, Chuck Schumer, that she's Chuck Schumer's girlfriend. Just refer to her as, a, you know, even though that's un, un, it's, she's not, but he, he refers to her as his girlfriend. And just so, oh, yeah, like no basis. It's ridiculous. But again, he just throws that out there. And I'm thinking, you know, he has a, a daughter of all kind. Like, does he not think of that girl's father or, you know, her life? And, you know, she's just doing her job, a, a, a lesser job, just doing her part. And now he throws that out and puts her name out there and her Instagram address and everything. This is a this is a 77-year-old man running for president. Yeah. And and that's how he spent part of his day yesterday, taking a young woman and defaming her and probably now making her a target well, for all his fucking mindless base assholes. Will need security. Um, let me yeah. just play a couple clips that will support this conversation. So when I say, like, his boorish behavior has allowed mm-hmm. others to be boorish as well. This is Marjorie Taylor Greene's boyfriend, a guy named Brian Glenn. He works for some network. Uh, you may have heard about this clip, but here's the clip. Him ta- This is a man, a grown man talking about let me just set it up by saying you know we, we often refer to tribalism it's one thing to be a democrat or a republican but these people are fucking insane hang on a second i unmute it and tend to be some of the ugliest women Wait. The liberal women tend to be some of the ugliest women i've ever seen and i'm serious i mean zero makeup well, they, they take no pride in their well they want to be men they take no pride in their in their in their dress their attire their makeup their haircut half of them look like men hairy armpits hairy legs come on that is not embracing uh what it what it means to be a woman so this is a guy who's his girlfriend's marjorie taylor green but clearly <laughs> clearly he, he's never seen the liberal woman on in porn that i'm looking at because they're <laughs> they're <laughs> so, but this is a grown man on a television network in front of a Trump rally talking about how ugly liberal women are. And this woman who's with him, who's very attractive, by the way, is saying, yeah, they want to be men. How fucking stupid are these people? And Howard, I'll look at it from another angle. Marjorie Taylor Greene, who has a significant role in American politics and government. she That's who she chose yeah. to be her her yes. mate, her partner. So she chose that. What does that say about her decision making <laughs> ability? I mean, you know. I mean, this guy, I'd love to have this guy in this. Okay, Brian, liberal women tend to be ugly. Let's just go. Do you think uh, Jennifer Aniston's a conservative? You dumb shit. Well, do, would you say Marjorie Taylor Greene? She, she looks a bit manly to me, to be honest. Yeah, again, not, I didn't even want to, didn't even have to go there because she mm-hmm. is. She's, I don't think she's, she's really attractive. an attractive woman at all. And she, apparently she's got like webbed feet, you know, and, and I, I don't go for that. And she's like, a, she apparently she, she, she no can do. No she's, can do. She's a major, like she's a weightlifter and everything, which is great. Yeah, but that's I, fine. Yeah. Uh, let me just want to finish up one, one more clip. Here's here's and, and we can be, we'll, we'll, let's, before Dan has to leave. Let's move on to something more pleasant. But here's why. To wrap up the idea of social media, everybody has a voice. 
and and how I think sometimes it's just futile and, and we should just enjoy the days and look mm-hmm. at the sky and wonder mm-hmm. at the changing colors of the leaves. Because here's a grown man. Uh, a reporter said, is there anything they could find indictment-wise to this grown man that would disqualify the president or disqualify Trump from being president? In several different states are finding different things about Trump. Is there anything that could happen with him indictment-wise that would say, all right, maybe this disqualifies him for president? Not for me. I'm with him to the finish. All right. Thank you so much. He could stand on the front steps of the White House and... And commit murder, and I'm with it. <laughs> there you go, America. And, and by the way, that man, he, he, was, he said, oh, I'm with him all the way. And then he paused for a second and went, to, he actually wanted to say that, that last thing. Mm-hmm. He meant mm-hmm. to say that. He could stand there on the steps of the White House and commit murder, and I'd be with him. Good. Good for you, America. Mm-hmm. Fucking idiots. And it's just, it's alarming. And again, the, the most... You know, if we were talking about a, you know, fringe support, if we were sitting here going, look at that, like 15 percent of the country still supports this guy. How crazy is that? Imagine that that would be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> look what we're, yeah. If, if there's still like 15 out of every 100 that supports this guy, like who are these people? But those numbers are just so huge. It's. It's just, uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy yesterday after he was ousted as speaker, he, he, he said he was talking to the, the media and he spent about 20 minutes talking about how Vladimir Putin is similar to Hitler. And everything he was saying, I was just screaming at the television. But what about Donald Trump, that guy that you support? You know, the guy you criticized and then became a sycophant, a sycophant of. What about him? Because as you've said many times, and it's true. You know, he hasn't murdered anybody yet, Donald Trump, but his 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 strategy forward is just so Hitlerish. I wanted to say that it's like, oh, OK, so you're spending all this time talking about Putin. And of course, he was tying it to Joe Biden is easy on the Russians or whatever, or whatever is, you know, when he was vice president and whatever this shit was. But he's just he, he took all this time to talk about putin and your guy who, who's going to lead your party is like totally that yeah he wants to be trump's he's, wish is to be an, yeah. an, an autocrat to the point where yeah he wants to eliminate a lot of the institutions that you know and and mm-hmm. anyway you're, you know you, that's a really good mm-hmm. point if if Donald Trump had Ross Perot. There's a reference for it. If he had Ross Perot-like support, like a fringe candidate that got some news, and but but there's a grown man. And by the way, that and, and what I wanted to say about this guy that said I would like. Where is he there? To the finish. All right. Thank you so much. Hey. See, that's what's interesting to me is the reporter says thank you so much, and then the man wants to make this point. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank he, you so much. He could stand on the front steps of the White House and and commit murder, and I'm with him. <laughs> what I'd like to ask, and I and I thought about this gentleman uh, quite a bit since I found this clip, and I thought I'd like to ask him, without being a dick about it, and say, listen, sit me down and explain to me why you feel that way, because it's fascinating that you would you were okay with your candidate killing somebody. And you'd still support him. I, I need to know why, sir, because I must be too dumb to understand. Well, he couldn't articulate it, but if you could get into his sick mind and have some kind of a computer that could read it, he hates browned people. 
and he wants America to be the way it was in the 60s. That's what he wants. And he thinks Donald Trump is going to give that to him. You know, we grew up delusional as that is, you know, Dan and I grew up uh, in small towns. You know, Dan's original home is, uh, well, I guess you you, you homesteaded it back in the 1920s. What's the small town? Didsbury. Is that where you're from? Didsbury, I spent, uh, yeah, the early part of my life. Right. And I I spent uh, my first 20 years living in Moose Jaw. And even though I was part of a minority, you know, there weren't a lot of Jews there. And, uh, but I, other than some kids saying weird shit to me in school, Mm -hmm. as kids do, I never really felt any real anti-Semitism. It was just, you know, we were a bit of a curiosity because we, you know, we had our own little synagogue there and we didn't celebrate Christmas on and on and on. But I never really felt any, you know, real animosity. But we definitely did, excuse me, stand apart. And uh, there weren't very many black people. There certainly weren't very many Indian people at that time. But there's something in our in our makeup as Canadians where, yeah, there's there's a, a group of Canadians that want Canada to be like it used to be back in the black and white hockey days. And I'm talking about TV, not color, but you know what I mean? We just don't we don't seem to have that. It, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we do. And I just don't see it. Well, it, uh, it's there, but to, and not to the extent, obviously. <laughs> Like, Pierre Polyev definitely has support in this country, but I don't think you could find somebody who would support Polyev or the Liberal Party that would say, my candidate could commit murder and I'd still be with him. No. No. We're not there yet. No. But, you know, you, you, t- you, you compare the countries. Polyev has a huge lead on Trudeau right now if there was an election held today. And I get back to what I asked last week and the week before, and we've discussed many times why. What is it within the majority of Canadians right now? They think that that's the solution or that's the answer. Um, it's crazy. And then you get these things. Do you guys, um, did you hear about Wab Canoe? Yeah, man. Yeah. Wab Canoe. Now, isn't that an achievement for this country i mean you know what we're seeing the united states go through to have the first you know the very first first nations person elected premier of a province manitoba in this case i mean that's something you know it's great people might say well what took so long yeah i i can't answer that question but he is the premier of the province of manitoba now um, as an NDP candidate, they wiped out the, uh, it's a majority, they wiped out the conservatives. Um, so that's, you know, that's something Canada can be proud of. Yeah, I, mean, I, I saw that story and uh, mm-hmm. was uh, similarly encouraged. I thought, <laughs> uh, I did think this, that if we were still doing morning radio, the little kooky boys that we were, that we would have fun uh, with the name Wab Canoe. We just would. Yeah, and it's not canoe. It's canoe. Canoe. Because <laughs> people might be thinking, oh, you know, that's a, a, like a First Nations name, canoe. It's canoe. K-I-N-E-W, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I still think if we were doing a morning show, you would say something like, I wonder what oh, yeah. he canoe. And I'd be like, ha, ha, he canoe too much. And then you'd be, ha, ha. And we'd have like all, all sorts of shit and sounds. <laughs> 
Yes, Dan. Yes, Dan. Uh, I, 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 I have to get going here. I know. You have a big uh, Bell, uh, you know, a Bell commercial, commercial in yeah. Toronto. I got to go. Shit, well, we've still listened, man. Yeah. Well, hey, by the way, uh, I just wanted to uh, talk about me for yes, a second. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. If that's okay. Please. I just uh, I, I don't know if you guys knew it or not, but I uh, did a voice uh, for the animated feature Paw Patrol. Oh. Paw Patrol 2. Mm. Yeah. Which is... Uh, and uh, are you the voice of a giant snake? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, sorry. No, a oh, one-eyed yeah. whale, no. Howard. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Paw Patrol, the mighty movie, yes. opened this past weekend. And oh. came out number one at the box office with uh, Daniel box office. Yeah, congratulations! Now I haven't seen it, but I'm the uh, the first person or first voice you hear in the movie. I come on, a radio, and, and a radio what, announcer. Well, I was going to say, what is what is your character? A radio announcer on the radio of uh, one of the Paw Patrol characters driving in the Paw Patrol city universe. That is really cool, Dan. Congratulations. <clears throat> Thank Number you. one at the box office. That's got to be worth millions for you, to you. Yeah. What is your take, Dan? What, Dan? Do you get it? Do you get any back end, as they say in the movie business? No, I didn't. No, my agent didn't negotiate a back end. Deal. No, no. Yeah. How about a front end? Do you get some front end? Mm-hmm. Got some front end. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think got Dan's into the back end, Howard. Uh, <laughs> isn't just, he? You know, he's well. It's isn't just, he? Just in most cases, just don't fit. Mm-hmm. Dan could probably put his thing in his own back end. <laughs> Dan, All right. don't so, tell uh, me. See Pop Dan, don't tell me you haven't tried at least. Anyway, Dan uh, he wants to talk about his smash hit box office movie, and here we hear you take it there. Oh, wow. do I? Well. Congratulations, Dan. Well done, sir. All right. Uh, Dan will be back tomorrow with uh, a full day of Dan and the news. Uh, He's got to go. Dan's doing a lot of cool stuff. Ralph Ben Mergy. I'm going to, Ralph Ben Mergy. I'm going to admit him to uh, the program. Uh, While uh, we get Ralph settled, Fred, why don't you talk about the chamber plan? Yeah, the Chamber Plan, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan. This is Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Uh, Go to chamberplan.ca, get a free quote today. Uh, What can we tell you? Uh, it's 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 a great option for small businesses if you want to provide... Know a uh, benefits package for your small business. There are different levels. Don't be, you know, don't be freaked out before you even go and investigate because it's it's doable for pretty much all small business. Whether it be two employees, be it a hundred employees, you can buy in at certain levels. They've done a great job over the past few years of holding the line on premiums, so you pretty much know. You know what uh, you can budget for over the next few years. It's prescriptions, it's dentals, it's dental, it's uh, some therapies. They have an HR component, which is great too. A lot of small businesses can tap into that, get advice on how to handle employees, what have you. And now a mental health component as well. After COVID, you know a lot of people struggling. Well, they have. Uh, they even have have an app where you can actually get some help. You know, in real time. So it's the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan Chamber Plan. Now, we had Daryl Croft on yesterday talking all things electric vehicles, uh, and uh, this program endorses uh, renting electric. And now, if you want to do it, by the way, one more day. Tomorrow's the day we're going to announce the winner of our contests. Uh, send us an email, humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com, and give me rent electric in the subject line. 
And you can get an, an EV for the weekend. Uh, it could be a Tesla, it could be a Chevrolet, Nissan Leaf. They, they, bought them. they got them all there. If you also want to rent one and don't win, call 1-800-387-9391. And we'll get you $40 off your first rental with the uh, promo code Humble. EV. That's Humble EV for $40 off your first rental. In the meantime, uh, rentelectric.ca has all these models. It's, it's a really great opportunity to try an electric vehicle, see how it fits your lifestyle uh, before you buy one. You can have like a 24-hour test drive, a weekend, or even a week. All the details at rentelectric.ca. 1-800-387-9391. Uh, now, welcome back to our program. One of our uh, favorite guests, uh, mi favorito, mi hermano, mi hermano favorito. Yo presentare uh, amigo. Es uh, muy, muy inteligente, muy, uh, muy simpático, uh, and uh, just a, a very fine broadcaster and uh, podcaster, author, and uh, rabbi. It's Ralph Ben Murray. Hello, Ralph. Buenos dias. Oh, he froze up there. What's that? You're, you're, as soon as you started talking, there's some freezing going on. What's happening? I don't know. I just work here. Stubby and me, amigo. Listen, uh, we got a lot to cover today. I hope you're well and your health is good and you had a great, uh, the high holidays or the holy days were good to you and you were, uh, you got, uh, you got to atone for your many, many sins in the book of, uh, book of life. Thank you. I, I, I wish the same for you and your friend. You know, the thing was on. We oh, got a bad connection it. today. Ralphie, I don't okay, know, what, you know what. Yeah, let me, let me stop the video. Yeah, we with this for some reason, Ralph. Are we the only ones that this happens with? Because the last time it happened, we had to stop the video. I like looking at your face. Do you want to try it? You want to read? No. Uh, I can re-enter. Do you want me to? Do sure. That? Let's do that. Let's turn. Let's right. have him re-enter. You come out Okay. Yeah, it's good to call that immediately because it's aggravating to listen to. Every third word. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, let's try this again. He seems to be up. All right. No, that's not uh, taking care of it. All right, I'm going to drop the video. Try doing that. I'm, I'm surprised though the amount of uh, the amount of uh, Zoom calls you must be on daily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I you. <laughs> are you in? Are you in uh, your home? Like in? Cause... I'm in my garage. Yeah. No, we're not getting connections so working. bad. It's even it's even working. without the video, it's not working. Uh, ben Murgis. Okay, let me try one more thing. Oh, no, I think you got to go in the house. Go back. Yeah, to get your back loft. in the house. Uh, somebody, uh, on, somebody on Facebook, Fred, uh, Brad Hopper says, morning guys, listening to you live while on our month long vacation in Hilton Head, South Carolina, a nice. golfer's the house. Okay. Go on the house, Ralph. Uh, this guy says golfers, it's a, yeah. it's a golfer's haven as Howard would know. I have heard of it obviously, but I've never been there here. It's beautiful. No. I've been right, to the movie now. Yeah, we can hear you. Try turning your video back on. Yeah. I'm no, it's still fucked up. Are you allowed to swear? 
<laughs> oh, now, oh, we're watching him walk from his garage now back into the home. Are you allowed to swear? <laughs> yeah, your your signal's not re- just not reaching the garage garage properly. I know it's weird because I put a, one of those pods in the garage. Yeah, too. well, mm. well, who sold you that pod? You, you need the refund. I've uh, golfed in the Myrtle Do you Beach area. Radio Shack? What happened to Radio Shack? No, same thing. It's that, now the source. No, that you know what the Radio Shacks. The same people. Uh, it's, it's gone the way of the consumers distributing. Remember them? Yeah. I used to love those guys because it was the weirdest store ever. Yeah. yeah. And didn't you have to, like, pick it out of a catalog and they would go in the back yeah. somewhere to get it? Yeah. yeah. I, worked, I worked at one. Oh, there you yeah. go. Oh, did you really? Oh, yeah. People would come in and the catalogs were there on the counter and then they would get a slip and write down what they wanted and they'd hand us the slip and we'd run back and get it and bring it out to the front. And people used to get pissed off because a lot of the good shit was always out of stock. So you'd come back and say, I'm sorry, sir, that's out of stock. And they literally swear at you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I've got an old timey Canadian uh, department store that I worked at. I was uh, my first actual announcing job. I was the announcer at Woolco. Mm-hmm. And when before the store would open, I'd get on, because I used to do the mics, ladies and gentlemen, uh, attention shoppers, and I would give out the specials. And all the people from the departments each day would give me the things they wanted me to advertise. But when the, before the store would open, I would often do W-O-O-L-C-O, Woolco weather. And I would do, it's 16 degrees in ladies' wear, 14 in men's wear. We've got a little bit of a loaf. You know, I just, just to crack the guys up. It's my first gig, Ben Murgis. Did you ever work? What was your, before you became famous what was your uh what was your sort of gig when you were a kid well you know i i had a best friend mike and mike found work he'd find anything so i just followed mike he'd find work and you go ralph i've got something let's go so uh we drove pizza for giovanni's pizza on Edmonton avenue and i had no idea how to drive a standard car and they had these two volkswagen beetles that we used to deliver the pizzas and I would pray that I wasn't going to be stopped on a hill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. It's a standard car. I'm going to roll back and hit somebody. So I was, you know, by the time I gave you your pizza at the door, I was like a nervous wreck. So there mm-hmm. was that one. And then one day he comes home and says, I got us a job. I said, where? He said, Piccadilly Tube. Oh, geez. Wow. Yeah, Piccadilly Tube is where the Eaton Center is now. It was across the street from the little cock door. Mm-hmm. And it was, and I said, "What's our job?" And he said, "We're bouncers." <laughs> I went, "What? We don't fight, you know? Like if somebody hit me, I'd be like the little Jewish guy going punching. Why are we punching? Why are we punching? What's with the punching? <laughs> when did the punching start? We're just talking, <laughs> right? So, and then there was this other guy who was a bouncer with us, and he'd do things like, go, "Oh, look, something happened over there," and I'd look over there, and he'd punch me really hard right here and laugh. And I thought, the goyim, you can do drink. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Like, Are you saying that the site of the Eaton Center was called what? Yeah. This was a bar that was, you had to go downstairs to get into it. That's why it was called Tube, Piccadilly Tube. It was and on the... Had, and they had cover bands. Okay. Right? So Lick and Stick, which was the Rolling Stones cover band. And, you know, so they had all the uh, Liverpool which was the Beatles cover band. So they, they, that's who was there. And the people who were the worst to you as a bouncer, I only la- we lasted like a month. The people who were the worst to us were the women 
because they knew you weren't going to hit them. So they screamed in your face, no. right? The men, you had to act. So if somebody was giving you a hard time, you had to look really bored and start to take off your suit jacket. Like, oh, I don't want to beat this person up. And they'd start backing up the stairs going, okay, man, relax. Okay, That's man. funny. Freddie, what were you going to say? Right? No, I was going to say I've spent many nights in the uh, uh, Piccadilly tube. Um, but was it, it was on the east side of Young, wasn't it? Across from the Eaton Center. Not that that matters, but that's how I remember it. But I thought the Lecoq door was on. No, I, I'm I sorry, you're talking the, 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 the Fakakta door. Was, yeah, and, and, door. Anyway, um, it doesn't right. matter, but many nights in my late teens uh, were spent oh, in the Okay, let, let's, let's stop the uh, memory lane now and get to some stuff that's current. I, Fred, Fred just uh, mentioned uh, something that was in the news. Manitoba's new uh, premier, uh, new Democrat, Wab Canoe. I want to talk to you about uh, this for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's an NDP, another NDP uh, government. You know, I come from Saskatchewan. The very first NDP government in Canada was elected in Saskatchewan. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, I'm Douglas. I'm, you, you probably did. Uh, what do you think about uh, a new Democrat uh, with uh, First Nations uh, heritage? Well, I lived in Winnipeg for two years. And so I watched the election results last night till about, I don't mm-hmm. know, 11 o'clock and then I, I figured that there was going to be a majority government and I was I was very happy for a couple of reasons. One is that uh, besides the, the territories where they've had obviously indigenous leaders and premiers uh, but they're not party oriented uh, areas. They, they don't work that way. Northwest Territories, stuff like that, they do consensus. But uh, it's the first of the 10 provinces to get an Indigenous leader. I was very happy for one of the main reasons I was happy is because there were such racist uh, tones to the uh, election campaign from the conservative side. They had hired people who uh, were using Trumpian uh, tactics. They had a billboard that said, we're not, basically said, we're not going to waste money looking for dead Indians in a landfill. Uh, and they were proud to do it. Um, they also uh, found themselves talking about his past and addictions that he'd suffered with. And he had a great line for that as to, in terms of my comms political side. I loved it, which was, uh, I'm not uh, trying to run away from my past. I'm running because of my past. Yeah, it's a great line. And that was just a great line. Uh, and Canoe uh, had been in opposition as a leader for quite a while. But I, I'm very heartened, mostly because that filthy, like the last thing the conservatives did, very Trumpian, was if we win, it's because this is rigged. So uh, the fact that they didn't win really makes me happy that, you know, because the Pierre Polyev group, is doing a lot of the same kind of tactics. Like yesterday, the uh, comms director for Pierre Polyev put out a tweet saying that this country is in complete chaos. It is falling apart. It is a disaster. I can't wait to get rid of Justin Trudeau. You know, and I thought, it's Thanksgiving weekend. That woman is going to go and stuff her face with as much food as possible on a good income in Ottawa. And we're living in chaos, yeah. and it's a disaster. 
Um, I, I was, I've been starting this sort of thread in my, my brain uh, now. I call it, uh, there was a time, and, and it started with Trump, obviously. There was a time when if a presidential candidate was a convicted rapist with 91 charges, four indictments, and a civil case, uh, etc., there was a time when that guy would, within we, in, in our lifetimes, the three of us, there was a time when that guy would, would be disqualified to be president. And there was a time when a, a presidential candidate would say, motherfucker uh and that would be the end of his candidacy why is it that we're living in this time what has contributed to the time we're living in where we just allow this it just becomes white noise or i'm sorry a noise (laughs) (laughs) well think about uh who was the guy who ended up with the woman sitting on his lap on the boat gary hart Uh, gary hart i always talk about that yeah, and he was toast. Um, I think, you know, somebody uh, uh, put out a social media tweet that said, um, people think, how could you possibly, how could Americans possibly vote for a man who blah, 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 blah. And he said, the answer is, that's exactly why they're voting for him. Because he's the Antichrist. Because he's a weird, like, not supposed to be a politician guy. Because supposedly he speaks truth to power. Mm. Right. So people are are really uh, look, my fundamental belief, I'm writing a, a book about this right now, but my fundamental belief is this economic system is a failure. We, you know, uh, Steely Dan, um, Kid Charlemagne, you are obsolete. Look at all the white men on the street. Right. There's the line. And we have a failed system that is getting worse and worse. Sixty three individuals in Canada own 50 percent of the wealth of this country. We're out of control. And I think people are desperate for an answer. So they look for scapegoats. They look for strong authoritarian leadership, which is we're getting all over the world. And meanwhile, uh We've got, you know, these billionaires flying penis-shaped vehicles into these near space, and that's it. That's what we've got. I was going to ask you about that. You know, we criticize Americans for following Trump, uh, and then the question is, yeah, he's an asshole, but why? Why does so many? What? What? Is, what is? What is missing in their lives? And I think you're touching on it right there. Economics. So, so many people feel like they're drowning and there's no way out, so they're looking for something. And I would say that about Canada because we can't be hypocritical. Like the latest polls out. Poliev is like 12 and 13 points ahead of Trudeau, even in the, the 18 to 34 year old demographic. And they're the kids that are really getting pounded by, by this failed economic system we're in. So how do you explain that? Pierre Poliev, our guy, our Trump, our Trump junior, our Trump soft or our Trump light is leading the polls. Canada is heading in the same direction then. Because he's saying what people want to hear. Mm-hmm. He's not saying the truth. He, he actually knows he's lying. Uh, but what you do is you say it enough times and it's the truth. And he's saying, so if you're 18 to 34, it will take you 22 years to save enough money to buy a, a house mm-hmm. in southern Ontario. 22 years. Right. So the system uh, isn't where you want to look and the establishment isn't. And then you've got governments where... The cynicism grows. I mean, Doug Ford's government is so cynical and so corporatist 
You know, you want something, what was their last slogan? Get it done, right? Because in a corporation, it is, it's set up as an autocracy. You have the boss and the employee, and if you, you don't you don't like it, if the boss doesn't like you, you can get fired. And if there's a union in the way, that's, that's really bad, because they might stop you from getting fired. Mm. So we've set up this system, and now we have these people who, what was the first, why, why was Trump even possible? Because he would go on television in a reality show and say, you're fired. Um, let me just play a clip. I played this a few minutes ago. Freddie and I were, you know, sort of throwing this around. And, and I mentioned that, you know, we still aren't quite where they are down there. And, and I know I like to sometimes, and people think I'm being a bit dramatic when I sort of tie Trump in to the rise of the Third Reich, but it's all part of the same playbook. But now we're at a time, and again, you know, there used to be a time we had politicians that would debate ideas and policy, and now it's this this cult-like tribe where, you know, s- sort of normal people have this kind of sentiment. Listen to this clip. Not for me. I'm with him to the finish. All right. Thank he, you so much. He could stand on the front steps of the White House and, and commit murder, and I'm with him. <laughs> now... Like, again, in, the, in our lifetimes, the three of us, relatively the same age, like, I don't remember anybody, and I don't think in Canada, even as right-wing as Polyev, I don't think there are people out in the heartland who would say, I, Polyev could commit murder, and I would still follow him. I don't think we're there yet. No, we're not there. But on the other hand, we've all grown up with dictatorships that have come and gone, Pol Pot, Idi Amin, uh, the uh, Southern European uh, dictatorships of uh, General Franco in Spain. Um, look, I asked my dad once, we're from Spanish-speaking world, and I said, Dad, what's with, this, with South America and all these dictators? And he said, they want order more than they want freedom because they feel like they, they're not safe. So what's a major piece of any right-wing uh, um, communications? Use the word safe. If you use the word safe eight times in a speech, if you talk about, so I ask people, do you think crime in Toronto went up or down in the last year? Violent crime. Up, up for sure. I said, no, actually went down 25% last year. Because the news represents chaos. Because chaos is about you going, is that the way I'm going to die? Is this, mm-hmm. should I yeah. look outside the cave? Is there a mastodon coming? So that's what you do for news. So it's really freaky things that happen around the world. So amplify that through social media and people feel like they're in a, a tight cylinder of nuttiness. So they get desperate. And if this guy says, uh, I will, what did he say uh, before he got elected when he won the uh, Republican National Convention? Uh, America is broken and only I can fix it. Right, he might exactly. as well have been Mussolini on a balcony going, oh, you know, it's, it's what it's what people they they crave order there. And we're in an economic grind on a treadmill, regardless of what income level you're at. Now, you could be rich and think you're, you're worse off. You can be poor and think you're worse off because people don't feel that they're being heard and they're desperate for something. You know, I, I I was saying this the other day as far as conspiracies and the man and, you know, and again, believe me, I totally believe COVID and all the stuff that was involved. But I can almost understand some people believing that it was the man that created COVID to readjust the economy. 
I, I can understand if you're a person that doesn't know where your next paycheck's coming from or you don't know where your next mortgage payment's coming from. Again, it gets back to that that desperation of of, you know, what's the answer? Maybe that guy can help me. Conversation I had with my daughter for the four of them to go to McDonald's now, it costs like over forty dollars. Yeah. It does. Yeah, yeah, before, yeah. Before COVID, it was like 20 something. Right. So you take and, you know, she falls. She's 40 years old, but they fall into that young age group right now that are sort of being left behind. And her that's her attitude. Like, why? Like, what happened? A young family should be able to go to McDonald's, but they can't now. So I I get where this this attitude comes from, that there's more there's more going on than meets the eye and why they are so cynical and why you're again, you're desperate to look for an answer somewhere. And and these guys are rising to the top, you know. And just let me st- jump in, you know, Ralph. When I when I play those clips of these guys, it's easy to mock them, but I've actually changed my uh, my mind mm-hmm. a little bit. I I often say to Fred, I'd like to talk to that guy and find out what's within them, what what mm-hmm. is their story that they're so that things seem so broken to them that this man uh, has become the beacon of hope for them. Yeah, well, there's uh, so. Who was that guy uh, from uh, 640 who did the business show? Uh, the Happy Capitalist guy? Yes. Yeah, okay. So yeah. I, I had him on uh, Not That Kind of Rabbi once. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was telling me that the, there's no such thing as a man-made climate change. The, mm-hmm. sun is, the thermostat on the sun is kind of broken. That's why we're experiencing this. And... After the interview, people were writing for me going, why didn't you just like shut him down? And I thought, no, no, exactly what you're saying. Uh, listen to somebody, draw them out, ask them why. We don't do that anymore. It's no. like either I win or you win. And, and instead, if you can go, oh, well, tell me more about that. And what you'll find underneath it all is like what, what Fred's talking about, for instance, is uh, we live in now a culture of surveillance capitalism. You are always being watched. I went out with uh, my friend Anton. We're at a ball game. We're talking about a book I I just finished writing on John Robinson, who's like the most recorded drummer in the the world. You you mentioned that a few times. Yeah, so JR. So I'm talking about him. Next morning, he opens up his uh, uh, laptop or his phone or something, and there is uh, uh, a YouTube link to J.R. Robinson. Now, what is that? We were at a ball game. We were talking. So if you can think that, why can't you think that Bill Gates is putting a microchip in your in your uh, serum? Absolutely. Because, because we're, we are being watched. Everything we're doing is now – people know where you are with that phone. You, you are now, if the national uh, security apparatus of, of the United States wants to find Fred today at 11.14, they'll have him in 10 seconds, flat. And listen, I, I, I don't think so, because sometimes I can't, listen, I call him very often. It's hard to get a hold of him. Let me, let me ask it. I was telling these guys earlier, you know, we were talking about the, 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 there was a time when intelligence was valued in a different way than it is in in our time and i know this whole show has been about nostalgia so far with you but i was talking about the early days of the jack parr you know type of tonight show where where conversation you know even when carson took over it was 90 minutes so there was lots of long conversations with intelligent people and it seems that there isn't conversation like that, certainly in our politics and not much in our daily entertainment. We don't consume a lot of that anymore. 
I don't know. I, I think it's a question of finding it yeah. because there's, there's a ton of stuff out there and there's some really interesting people with, with good things to say. And there, for me, the thing that we really have stopped doing is, is reading, just reading books. Uh, we don't anymore. Uh, I, I, I've spent my whole life not with uh, educational credentials, but self-taught because uh, school and I didn't get along very well. I did five years of post-secondary, but it never went anywhere. And I just started self-educating. And every day I read as much as I can. At night when I go to bed, I read. And I say to people, like, have you read anything? Have you read the policy statement of a political party? Instead, we're looking for, it's our fault. We're looking for entertainment for a few seconds. And if you say what I want to hear, great, I'll follow you. And if you don't, screw you, or else I start swearing at you on, online. Right? Mm-hmm. That, that's, we, we said that earlier in the show. It's just that reinforcement of the way you think. That's just what you're looking for. My problem with online now, and that's a great thing about just reading an actual physical book. How do you know what's true online? I mean, you can go to CTV News, CBC, or whatever, and have some feeling that what you're reading is true. But that's just a small fraction of what's out there. How do you know what you're reading is true now? And so many people are reading stuff that isn't true, and it's become if and if it supports their narrative, then they're in. They're in. They buy in. Well, we've gone from um, science to opinion. Yeah, Fact, Howard facts said that, yeah. are now opinions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember uh, when that first started here in Canada, around the certainly in the Harper years, we really went deep into that. They were literally uh, shredding scientific data. Uh, they were they stopped the long form census because it would if they wanted an ideological policy, and the census didn't support what they said was the truth, that would look bad. Mm-hmm. So we just stopped doing it and we stopped figuring out where is poverty? Why is there poverty? You know, things like that, because they had an I- ideology that said, if you're poor, it's your fault. Mm-hmm. So either get yourself together or, or, or just too bad. See you later. Go sit in a tent. Right. Um, sorry, did you want to, I was going to say this, that we have to start wrapping up because we have our, okay. uh, our Sherpa in no. a few minutes. But uh, let's make a couple final thoughts with uh, Ralph Ben Mergy, our guest this morning. And again, no, no real answer to this, but it's an observation and it sort of reinforces maybe you're on the right side of history when it comes to the Americans and Trump. I was thinking about this the other day. All the people that I know, my circle of friends and even beyond that, none of them support Donald Trump. None of them think eh, none of them say to me, yeah, but I like Trump for this reason, that reason. It's absolutely not unanimous. In my world, my circle of friends, that he's an asshole, he's wrong, he's evil. It's going to be bad for America if he becomes president. And that, what does that mean? Is that just the level of intelligence of the people I hang with? Because I'm sure there's tons of people out there in Canada, Ontario, Toronto, Brampton, that think he's okay. Yeah. I'm not around those people. And who are they and why am I not around them? And the fact that I'm not around them tells me, or I never hear them, tells me that I'm on the right side. Is that naive? (laughs) Well, I think for me, it's like, be aware that you're watching a puppet show. Mm -hmm. These people are not the people who created. They're the, the blister that popped. 
from a system that doesn't work for you or me or most people. Unless you're, you know, Galen Weston in a sweater telling people to buy your stuff at twice the price. So it's not like that. It's remember, like, look at capitalism. Like, we are not allowed to look at capitalism. It's just, well, what do you want to be, a commie? So we don't have a, a, a plan B for an economy and for a society. And we need one and we better start talking about it because the rest of this stuff's sideshow. But as far as Fred asking that question, you know, we tend to, I mean, on this is a social, a societal absolute, which we all, all of us hang around with people, tend to hang around with people of a similar socioeconomic level, a similar intelligence level, even a similar attractive level, you know? And, and so of course, and that, but, but by the way, that's the same for the people that think it would be okay if Trump murdered somebody. Right. Yeah. So those, the, only yeah. di- the only difference is here, I can debate Dan Duran on liberal conservative in Canada. You know what I mean? I can debate somebody on uh, a social policy in Canada, and it's like respect what they say. Like, oh, there is two sides to this thing. It just seems in this one, there's just one side. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, but my, if somebody yeah. shows up in a pickup truck with fuck Trudeau and three yeah. flags on it, are yeah. you going to have a real conversation? That's what, that's no. what I was going to say. Yeah, that, yeah. In that person's world, the fuck Trudeau mm-hmm. people and the guy, the, the, the murder yeah. on the White House uh, people, there, there's no, that's why I, I initially said it used to be you could have policy conversations that Mm-hmm. You know, that we're sort of, you know, and, and that's why, again, the discourse of society was a lot different back in the, you know, our parents time, uh, you know, as far as seeking out intelligent conversation, you know, that's one of my favorite things about Sam Harris's app. You know, it's not just guided meditations this morning before the show, I was listening to this guy who is a, a Zen master and a scientist, Harvard professor named uh, Robert Waldinger. You'd love this. And it's called Zen and the Art of Living. And it's right. a lot of what, you know, a lot of the things that you discuss. Uh, it's yeah, by the way, I do. I'm right in the middle of a Buddhist psychology course that I'm doing right now for my spiritual counseling stuff. Of course and you are. The answer is inside us. Absolutely. It's not out there. Unless we can change and be compassionate, it's not going to. Next time we should talk about all the Jews in the Buddhist uh, uh, movement. Yeah. The Jew booze. They're everywhere. Yeah. Uh, listen, I thought he was dead. A spiritual memoir. The uh, Ralph Ben Murgy podcast. Uh, not that kind of rabbi and so much more hey. can i throw one thing in Absolutely. sorry just one thing sorry very quickly not that kind of rabbi is now going to be on the cjn canadian jewish news uh nice. podcast system. and our first show is with mark breslin live at the jcc prosperum in jcc in in uh, in toronto Dude, i just did i just did a show there at prosperum about three weeks ago i did a i, I have a beautiful theater there it was a, uh, a jewish comedy night me uh, simon uh, rakoff other hebrews it's a great facility yeah so we'll be there on the 17th you can go to the cjn site if you want to get tickets and comments fantastic hey, and by the way you mentioned celia dan here it is Ralph, great talking to you, my friend. See you guys. See you, Ralph. Too bad we didn't have more time. He's a big Jays fan. Could have asked him about timely hits. Mm. Yeah, they were. I, I told you this morning before the show, I didn't watch the game, but I uh, because of the technology that is the internet, I did 12. I, I love that, by the way. It's a 12-minute, and I watched the whole thing, 12-minute highlights of the game. Mm-hmm. And what did I say to you? They just doesn't look like they can get the hits when they need them. No. Yeah. It's been a problem all season long. And they still had a good season, still made the playoffs. But uh, 
that whole thing, runners in scoring position in particular, they just it just doesn't happen. And whenever they're, you know, the playoffs is good pitching. And as some of the experts around the team say, they can't hit good pitching. They're easy to pitch to. Uh, what did you think about uh, what's his face? I thought he uh, didn't he was it considered that he t- looked like he pitched a decent game. He's got uh, some uh, interesting uh, pitch selections. Gosman, well, Gosman, yeah, he has this splitter that comes in over the plate and then drifts away, but he's got a. And often guys lunge at it, even if it's out of the strike zone when it arrives to the plate. Well, yesterday, Minnesota, Minnesota, they just laid off that pitch. And if he doesn't catch the strike zone, it's a ball. And uh, well, that second home run, that's what happened on the second home run Mm -hmm. is that the guy just watched it go by, watched it go by. And then when the fastball came, Mm -hmm. it was gone. But going into the game, that's all we heard about is uh, Kevin Gosman and his problems against the Minnesota Twins. And I'm thinking, why are they starting him then? Why? In game one. Like, why? 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 <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a second. I'm just getting uh, Niblet uh, settled in here. Let me see. Let me see. Doodly do. Where's the Nibs? Here we go. Joining. Niblet joining. Well, I don't have uh, do you have the nibs for this week yes I do could you send it to me please because I can't I must have deleted it okay it's about secular trends and your oh, portfolio okay. remember I read yeah, I, I googled what secular trends <laughs> were yeah, I know you did but please send it to me so I have you know at least can you mm-hmm. know be part of the nibs combo the nibs convo which is coming up Ah, doodly doo doo. Um, Tim Niblett, of course, is uh, standing by. I can introduce him. I have this. I have this uh, introduction. Let me see. Where is it? Oh, that's Steely Dan. Mm Throw a little Steely Dan makes my day. Here we go, Nibsy. Steely Dan's never bad. Their age? No, I know. I do like uh, my Dan. That's for sure. Steely and Duran. Uh, Tim Niblett is our uh, guest every Wednesday, the retirement Sherpa. Uh, Now in his uh, fifth or sixth great season here, the uh, series that just keeps on giving. Tim.Niblett at RaymondJames.ca is how you get a hold of him. And Mr. Niblett, always a pleasure to see you. Look well today, my friend. Yeah, doing good. We're uh, excited. We got a couple of pals from uh, Florida coming up to visit us, a couple of girlfriends of Lorna's today, so... They'll be here for a few days and do the CN Tower and get the wine country and all that good Toronto stuff. Excellent. Are they Flor- are they Floridians um, or, or are they uh, expat Canadians? Uh, both Americans, uh, mm-hmm. Fred. One was Ohio, I believe. She was a stewardess mm-hmm. for Delta back in the day when that was a good uh, gig, I guess. And uh, another one was a teacher up in Massachusetts. Very nice. Oh, I'm sure you'll show them around the city and they'll love it. Yeah, especially if they're out this afternoon. I'm golfing. No, I was going to say, no, no, not somebody else is doing the hosting today because Timmy and I are playing our uh, one of the final ladies days at our course. But I was going to say, what a great couple of days to have some American visitors Mm -hmm. here who all think, you know, oh, it must. Are you you guys? uh, Is it going to be snowing when I'm there? Meanwhile, it's like. I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit anymore, but it was a, such a beautiful day yesterday, Nibsy. Especially, I'm, and, and where you live in that Burlington area, 
Uh, Freddie and I were both in that. I was, well, where you played golf yesterday, Fred, or two days ago, I was in the same area. The leaves are, it's just starting to turn. It's got to be beautiful in your yard. It's getting there. I'm not a big fan of all the ones falling right now. Yeah. We've got a huge oak tree in the, the ravine out back. And we always kind of pray that the wind goes in the right direction once right. that starts letting <laughs> yeah. loose. Uh-huh. Um, and then some of that and golf courses, of course, the leaf rule, not at our course, but a lot of them, the, the leaf rules. And you know what the leaf rule is, Fred? No. What is that exactly? Well, I can imagine. But it's like uh, this funny thing that some golfers will do. The ball is off the fairway. And if mm. there's leaves on the ground, they go, okay, I can't find it. Leaf rule. And then they just drop one without penalty, which I always think is hilarious. We, we don't do that, though, Timmy. Can't we do that with our big uh, match in a couple weeks uh, there? I'm looking forward to that. Oh, by the time Freddie and you and I and Jay play, oh, there's going to be many. There's going to be lots <laughs> of leaf rules. And by the way, not the Toronto Maple Leaf rules. We're trying not to do that. Uh, I was thinking about that, guys. We're supposed to play on the 15th of October. What kind of weather. I thought it was the 13th. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was the 15th. Well, it's one of what those is days. It? Tell me, because I'll show up on that day. Hmm. <laughs> I can't remember. I've got, uh, I've got a computer that remembers Yeah, we've got people. But I tell you what, let's not worry about that now during the show. Okay. Let's talk about secular trends, because Freddie brought it up the other day when he was talking about you. And this is perfect, because we really didn't understand it. And that's why we thought we, you should explain it to us. Well, I still have some old Reader's Digest, uh, you know, pays to increase your word power uh, articles around to read. So nice. Secular was the, the word of the day uh, there. So, you know, if we look back, like in the, the 2010s, uh, smartphones were uh, emerging and that really drew a lot of, uh, drove a lot of, of profits in in that area. Cloud computing, uh, just large tech stocks in in general. Uh, further back in the good old days, like in the 90s, that was when the internet started, uh, tech and, and telecom stocks back then as well. Uh, but different names too. So, uh, just for fun, I thought we'd touch on, you know, where do we think it's going to be going forward? Uh, not surprisingly in general, energy transition. I mean, you guys got Daryl and the EV and all that on, uh, every every day and and then ai of course is going to be a big driver going forward for us as well how do you um access them well uh, of course you you can try to figure it out yourself and and deal with as we kind of hopefully funnily say your your butchers dog walkers barbers sister-in-law or whatever and her tip uh that's how most people Mm -hmm. do those things uh, you, you could buy ETFs that, that have a very diversified pocket of, of that type of of investment, and and the, the way we use more often than not, not solely, is is through uh, funds with really good track records. Uh, uh, you know, fund managers who metaphorically can hit with runners in scoring position, and uh, and all with mm-hmm. your money, and uh, they, they'll find them for us. And uh, well, now that we sort of have a, a, a sense of what they are. Um, we don't. Yeah, I guess that answers the question. Well, pr- professionals do things differently uh, than say, say getting a, a hot tip from somebody. Uh, so, as, I guess what a professional does is look for those trends. Like you've you've attached this uh, thing from the Kenzie Fund, the durable growth tailwinds, investing in the enablers of secular change. I find that fascinating too. That we're in a time where where maybe the traditional investing model is uh, still there, but there's some different opportunities. I think that's kind of the moral of the story, you know, 31 years into this gig, 
there's always something that works. Uh, like 2022, a very bad year overall for stocks and bonds. Uh, but if you're in alternative investments, private credit, private debt, uh, you could have had a fantastic year. Mm-hmm. So there, there's always something, right? There's a lot of turmoil going on. September specifically was tough in the markets, uh, the stock markets. But yeah, as, as we go forward, and it might not be just AI as far as, uh, the, the top use of it. The cool part about, uh, you know, like top money managers is they don't necessarily go looking for the name brands. I mean, obviously an Apple, a Tesla, whatever uh, people made lots of money on those. Uh, but I remember back in the day too, like Cisco, like a lot of people really didn't know Cisco existed, but mm-hmm. they were building the framework of things, right? So there was a lot of money to be made. Uh, there, same same thing with AI. Now it it could just be a company that uses it really well in their business model, and as a result, it is more profitable, more more efficient, more effective, and delivers a better return on your your investment. My uh, mother in law called me last week and she said, "Freddie, I want to invest a thousand dollars in artificial intelligence." And I said, "Oh, okay." She said, "What do you think?" I said, "I don't know what to think because." I'm- <laughs> Like you, you, you got. Don't you have to pick a company or something, or pick a pick a plan, or pick, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. And I guess that will be emerging, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there's there's the obvious ones that people know about. Even Microsoft is an AI mm-hmm. play, so to speak, as they're investing heavily as many other companies are. But let her know that the Sherps will take care of her. Absolutely, he will. Okay. Now, that's not my normal uh, minimum, let me clarify. But, you know, right. for a family member. Um, well, that's sweet. You know, I just I found this article I read this morning, and I, I did, at the time didn't put it together with what we were going to talk about with you. But here's a perfect example of, you know, a changing market or a market that's emerging. Is all these guys, uh, it's uh, Bezos. And uh, OpenAI CEO Sam Altman, Google founder, are starting to invest heavily in drugs, therapies, and treatments in the anti-aging sector. You know, the, the idea of, of longevity in there, you know, the, the point is in Canada alone, it says the anti-aging treatment market is already expected to grow from $54 million last year to $164 million by 2030. So this would, wouldn't this be an example of... You know, a, a market that didn't exist 20 years ago and a bunch of smart people starting to look at that as we as we all age, trying to find ways to stave off the inevitable. Oh, absolutely. Right. As us baby boomers, of course, uh, affected everything we've touched over the decades and and all. And now we're getting old and we want to be maybe not immortal, but we want to age with energy. Right. Yes. And, uh, yes, we do. That should help for, for your <laughs> Your sponsors are there, this new trend. But, yeah, absolutely right. Uh, medicines, for sure, is is definitely an area that that's uh, – I'm, I'm getting so old, I'm starting to take all the pills that I see advertised on golf tournaments nowadays. Well, think about this. I mean, I don't – you know, we, we – both Freddie and I are wearing a Health Gauge a smartwatch. Uh, I don't – it used to be kind of – you know, you, you didn't run into many people. Now, every almost everybody I'm around, either the golf course or the kids, or have an Apple watch or they've got a Garmin watch. So those kind of things are, uh, I believe, kind of what we're talking about today in terms of secular change. Right. And, and again, there's just there's always something, 
you know, there's always ascendant ones, right? I, the, the metaphor I use that may or may not work is like in the NFL, there's an equal number of games won as lost, right? I mean, it's a zero sum game. There's a win and a lose in, in every single game, but you still have the Buffalo Bills. You still have the 49ers. You still have the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, there are still, uh, exceptions to the rule, so to speak, or, or to the average or to the norm. Uh, industries, companies, technologies. Uh, another cool one is, in, in fact, they have a, a big office right beside where mine is in, in Burlington on semiconductors. You know, they're a company that probably nobody's ever heard of, but they're super active in the EV category as far as the semiconductors. Go figure. Um, you know, so there's a lot of kind of under the scene to the average person companies that are out there that are vital, that are growing, that are making lots of money. Well, I think the bottom line, and as you say in your note, can, uh, you know, talk to a professional. And, uh, thanks and I again. just want to clarify, I was never, you know, unlike uh, Ralph, I was never a bouncer back then. <laughs> uh, that's great. Although you could have been a good one, I bet. Uh, Tim.nibble at RaymondJames.ca. I'll uh, see you milling about the, uh, the course today, my friend. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Enjoying profit, guys. Great to see you. By the okay, way, it, buddy, it is the 13th. See you. see you soon. It is the 13th in case you want to, you know, look at your calendar. Lucky 13th. I will keep it clear. Hey, Friday the 13th. It's a Friday, too. Friday. Oh, yeah. oh, what will happen? I wonder. Hopefully you won't hit Ooh. anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Timmy. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. You know, reminiscing, you know, generally, um, Ralph brought up the Piccadilly tube, and I, I've been sitting here thinking about that, and I remember that place so vividly. And my sweet wife, before we even started going together, used to go to the Piccadilly tube and drink Singapore slings. Oh, did that she? Was her, that was her drink of choice. You know? Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, uh, I, that's great. I, it's funny that I've been here 34 years. Fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, like July... Not July, August. We started because you were on holiday, so mm-hmm. we started in August of 1989. It's a long time ago. I'd never heard that, I, and I worked on Young Street. I'd never heard that Piccadilly tube till today. Uh, yeah, I uh, I don't know when it, it would have uh, closed or gone under. Whether it would have while you were here or not, I don't mm-hmm. remember. I don't know, man. Um, uh, before we go, uh, we're talking about investments and. Uh, and the like. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just find something here. Investments and in the like. Well, I I want to talk a little bit about Boron One. Right. Come on. And if I had a boy, you know, Tim was talking about well, I, again something that ties into. You know, secular uh, investments. Boron might be something for you to look at because it's a, it used in so many things: construction, manufacturing, medicine, science, microelectronics, pharmaceuticals, telecommunications, space travel, communication, satellites, and so much more. Even though you're not really aware of that, interestingly enough, economic occurrences of boron are quite rare, and large economic deposits exist in only a few places, and Boron 1 has found one of them in Serbia, 
And they're at the point, you know, when it starts out, there are it's a one in a thousand, sometimes one in three thousand chance of ever getting a junior mining company to the point that Boron One is at right now. And so have a look at it. Have the Sherpa look at it. Have your Sherpa look at it. And again, we make no claims other than to inform you about what Boron is. And if you want to do some due diligence uh, yourself and check out this company, we welcome you to do it as they support this program. Boron1.com. That's Boron1.com. Uh, tomorrow's a day we uh, give away the uh, EV rental. Also, tomorrow's a day we uh, do your emails. Uh, so you have uh, if you have something to say about the program, by all means. When people say by all means, what do you mean by all means? What other means are there? There's only one means. Email us. You know, can't write us a letter. No. You're right. Well, maybe they could text us. Yeah, I guess, but that's not an email. No, exactly. I know what you're saying. When's the uh, saying. when's game two of this uh, series? That's it. Let'll be uh, over this so. afternoon at uh, four thirty-eight uh, start time. Why? Why four thirty-eight? Uh, by the way, why is that? Well, there's four games, right? Oh, I see. And, uh, they're timed based on uh, television audience potential. I see. That's why the Jays are on at four thirty against Minnesota. Well, it's true. Um, that's why. No, it makes and, sense. Uh, the the Texas uh, Tampa Bay. I was surprised. Starts at three, and I think if the Jays weren't in another time zone, they would have the three o'clock game because in the United States, right? There's no Toronto ratings, so they don't like they don't like to go anywhere near the Blue Jays or Canadian teams because they lose half of their um, television audience potential numbers. Right? Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. From what I watched in my 12 minute you know, synopsis of the game, this in Minnesota had a full house. That was a very uh, so a lot of people took the day off to watch that game. Well, you know, funny you say that, and not to you know discount what you say, but it wasn't sold out, and there was tickets available, but just before game time for seven dollars. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, discount away, it looked like. That would have uh, never happened in Toronto. would have been sold out, and people would have been gouged from top to bottom. Yeah, there would be, there'd be no, there's no $7, $7 tickets here in the big no. smoke. No. All right. Well, uh, we're looking forward to tomorrow. Dan will be back. Uh, we can have all sorts of uh, fun, and it'll be uh, great to hear some emails, and we appreciate everyone uh, watching on the uh, Facebooks. Uh, where did I put this? Is this? No, that's not it. I just about played Darren singing Oh Come All You Faithful That would have been funny Oh really? (laughs) An early Christmas present Alright, here we go This episode of Humble Hold on a second This episode of Humble Why is that that so quiet? Oh I see why Hang on a second, I'm sorry Oh god Um, I've got too many things going on it's all my, I noticed his mic seemed low to me today. This is all my fault. Okay, I see why. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can I have another try? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, fuck. Where is it? I got, I, and, and this isn't a mouse problem, by the way, for you mouse haters. <laughs> uh, this is just I have too many screens open. Okay, here's, we'll start this again.
Okay, you can hear that, and then we'll hear Dan Duran. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, EVNet.ca, Palma Pasta, and Stretch Lab Toronto. For contest and comments, we read all of our emails, and we've got the Thursday email show, Humble and Fred, at HumbleandFredRadio.com. So tell us what you think. Liking and subscribing really helps us out, so does writing a review, so go ahead and say something. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and remember, when the chlorophyll comes out of the tree leaves, it goes into Chlorette's gum. Chew some and enjoy every gourd damn day. Destination, a little up the road from the habitations in the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low. The jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts. Two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans and just clap your hands or just clap your hands. Where's that?